Attention radio listeners. Ooh, Thomas, get out of town. Wow. Let me have your attention for a moment. Goodness, is that a message? Oh, mommy, please, get me out of this game. You aren't paying any attention. Interesting move here, Bill. Shays came into the basketball game. Jim Bayheim has inserted Shays into the game. Big guy inside. Maybe to help eliminate that second or third shot. Well, people in Central New York claim that uh, Roosevelt Bowie... It's the best center Syracuse University has ever had. Your attention, please. This is Centers of Attention. This is our number two of Centers of Attention. I am Paulie Sebelia back uh, in the driver's seat with Rosie sitting next to me, so i got to be careful. I'm within punching distance of Rosie <laughs> if, I, if I get him fired up. we got a big show today. Lazar Sims and NBA champ David West will join us later. I've got a ton on... Uh, Remote, Atan, uh, Rosie, let's get right into the SU Pittsburgh game. Coming off a win at Notre Dame, the my theory is right now Syracuse. Are they on the bubble of the bubble? Well, you know, I'm liking how we're playing. I got to say honest with you. You know what I mean? I was thinking bubble before, but, I mean, we've won four in a row here. We had some quality wins. We're looking ahead, and I don't want to look too far ahead. But, you know, once you get past the first, like, three teams in the ACC, everybody's kind of right in that little bit of a a middle pack a little bit. So I'm liking what we're doing. So we just got to keep playing well. I I mean, I I don't like to do bubble, not bubble predictions this, this early, but I think we just keep improving, and everything will take care of us. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking stay focused. I've been in, I've played on teams that were the difference between first place, between fourth place and 11th place was one game. And, uh, and, 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 and these teams are still really good teams. So Syracuse, if they keep doing so, our, our focus was at that time was look at the man standing in front of you. Five guys on the court at a time. They all put their pants on the same way you do and take everything personal. Right now, the there is not much separating the teams in the ACC. You've got the three top teams, and then everybody is within one or two games of each other besides, which is shocking, UNC, who is uh, pulling up the bottom. We we got to, with Howard Washington out last game, we got to see Bryson Goodine come in and play well for even just a couple of minutes. And we're going to have Lazara Sims Come on the show later on, and he's a guy who sat out most of his career and then came in and played well. What, what does that do for the team just to see a guy who's been riding the bench all game come in, knock down a three, grab two rebounds in just the limited time he's got, and how does that improve the team overall? Well, excuse me, Ty, I just want to say real quick, uh, this summer he played like he played those those two or three minutes he played the whole, he'd come in and play five six eight ten minutes he played like that the whole summer so I see it as being something that I always look at the preseason as showing me what you can do regardless of what the competition level is he's just growing into the competition level you know and, and that's why you have to stay ready you know, I mean, obviously, he's been keeping himself ready, working out with the coaches. Um, the coaches were very complimentary of him after the game. And I like the way the bench reaction was really cheering him on, you know, because they know the situation. It's tough. Say, being on the bench and not playing is tough. You know what I mean? You you get your hopes up, you're there, and a let down every single game. You have to just stay ready. That's a very difficult um, position to be in. And, you know, for him to be able to come in the game and immediately, you know, start to contribute, I mean, that's a credit to him. One more player we'll talk about a big man, Barama Sidibe. As uh, Coach Alan Griffin said it, after the conversation 
Coach Beheim had with him on the bench at the Virginia Tech game. It, it seemed to wake him up. His feet were in the right spot. He caught the ball uh, against Notre Dame. What was the difference you guys saw in him after the conversation Coach Beheim had with him? <laughs> Okay. Well, you know, uh, okay. As you know, I w- I'm not a big fan of the display that happened at, at, at the Virginia game, to be honest with you. I don't like embarrassing players like that. But I will say that Coach Beheim does know sometimes that he selectively does it to be able to light a fire under somebody. And in this case, it, it, it proved um, to work. Uh, but I don't want to, you know, make that case to think you have to do that all the time. You know what I mean? But Coach Beheim's been at this a long time and he knows, you know, to, you know, to pick his spots. But I thought City they played well, you know, and I was happy to see him play well. Um, like you said, he looked like he was in a rhythm, you know, the footwork, you know, he had a couple of, you know, nice catching dunks, running the floor, going there and rebounding, you know, avoiding some of the careless fouls that he avoided before. Um, so I think that he played well. And I got to give a shout out to Garrier because really his, his progression over these last few games has a lot to do with Syracuse's success. You know, I know, of course, the guys that are scoring all the points are going to get, you know, all the attention, but he's been very vital in this process as well. Yeah, I have to agree with it. Itan, you know, I'm telling you, you look at everybody, everybody's job is you got guys that score a lot of points, you got guys that got to get rebounds, but you take you take away any one of those pieces and the outcome of these four games is totally different. So it's absolutely necessary that everybody knows their role and they all understand that their role is increasingly important with the, with, with this young team. So I, I'm, I'm very happy. I also remember uh, I went fishing. Coach Barham and I like to go fishing uh, once, you know, once a year. I'm the best fisherman. If you ask him, he'll tell you he is. So I'm just to putting that out there. <laughs> um, so we're out there fishing, and I'm. Uh, and, and, he, and he goes, he goes, man, you know, the kids now. Uh, before I used to just throw the ball out there, and you guys would like beat each other up for two hours, and I'd have to go out there and kick you out of the gym. He says now, and, and if I if I if I said something to you, uh, if I raised my voice to you, you guys would go, "Oh man, I did something wrong. I got to get better." He says sometimes, you you say that to one kid, and he totally shuts down because he goes, "Oh, the coach doesn't like me." So right. he said it's it's it, he said it's it's a it's a juggling match. He's like, "Man, I, I need to fish more." But but here's a question. He he's a Hall of Famer. Everybody knows he wins games. He has an ability to realize who he can yell at and who he can't right he he knows he can differentiate the kids that can handle it and can't handle it i don't i don't ever remember him yelling but then again i never came off the bench (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean you was in a different situation though you you know what i mean you was kind of the star from the time you said i've been in the situation where i'm not playing you know what i mean so i can understand how it works but yeah when when you're a coach you know and i'm even seeing this now in my as i'm coaching aau each each player is completely different it's like when you have kids you know each child is different and they respond differently then they need different types of discipline you know and they need different types of encouragement so i was the type of a um, player who i didn't really like the yelling i was a little bit more sensitive to be honest with you. i'm like you know just just tell me what you want you ain't got to yell and scream at me and carry on like that just tell me what you want me to do and i'll do it you know and th- that was me so then he coached me differently than he coached somebody else and i think that's the that's the part about being a coach you have to figure out what way is going to get the results that you want to get out of each player so that means you have to start knowing each player's differences you know, a, a real funny thing is uh, once I left here, the different coaches that I got, so imagine I'm playing in Europe, and we have this coach, he's like the European Bobby Knight, and he would yell at, yell and scream <laughs> all the time. Now, you know, Rudy Hackett recruited me for Syracuse, and then I got to play with him my second year over in Italy. 
So we're on the we're on the floor. And Rudy's like the most knowledgeable player. He he knows everybody's point. They hand out the play, but he knows everybody's uh, position and how he can run anybody's plays after the first day. I learned my position really well, and I would sneak and learn somebody else's position so I could sneak over there and and, and steal a pass or something. But but, <laughs> but but the coach used to jump up there and he'd jump in and he'd start yelling, "Roosevelt, you gotta do it!" And I would just so I'm playing against my man. The coach yells at me. I stand up and go, "What?" My man goes to the basket and dunks. Okay. Then comes down again. He yells at me again. Roosevelt, you got it. And I stand up and I go, what? My man goes down and dunks again. The whole, everybody in the gym goes, leave him alone. Let him play. <laughs> so, so at that point, the coach yell, Rudy, tell Roosevelt. <laughs> and I just looked at That's Rudy funny. and I said, hey, I hear him all the time. I just don't want him to know that he can keep calling me. Uh, one other thing <laughs> about this team, uh, and it's not a bad thing, it seems like Syracuse over the past few years has had a bunch of nice kids on their team, a bunch of good kids. There's something different with Joe Girard. You know, he's got a, a, a toughness, like a swagger to him that, that it seems that is infectious, right? He's Spicy. He, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's good to have a guy like that on your team, right? Go ahead, Eton. Oh, I, I definitely think so. And I, I, you know, I sit in the group, and I'm sure you saw it, Roosevelt. We all have a group <laughs> where all the guys, you know, we all talk. And yeah. I, I told, I told Lawrence Moten, I'm sure he's gonna come on the show and he's gonna say, "I told you so." But I said, "Yep, you know, Gerard, he, he, he won, he won me over." Um, I like the way that he plays. Uh, you know, I like the toughness that he shows. You know, I even tweeted out this little clip of him when he, you know, he kind of handed the ball to the guy, then he kind of ran away real quick, and the guy <laughs> got mad. I mean, I, and it, it made me laugh, but I like his his personality on the court, um, and I think he's gonna. He's going to be great. I mean, he's improving every single game. You know, I was a little bit worried at first because he was shooting a lot of threes and he was missing a lot of threes. And so my contention was, okay, if you're missing all these threes, maybe you shouldn't be shooting all these threes. But, you know, the, you know, coach kept saying, you know, he's got to get his rhythm. We've seen what he can do in high school. And I was one of the people that were like, well, this ain't high school. You know what I mean? I see him breaking. I'm looking at his shooting percentage and it's not looking good. Maybe he should stop shooting. But now you see him starting to find his rhythm and starting to, you know what I mean, really knock down their shots. And he's knocking down tough shots. So, like I said, he's won me over. Hey, I, I watched him. Uh, I watched him in the preseason. He was. I was. I was kind of watching. Him. I was like, he, you know, he's shooting the ball a lot. And uh, Coach McNamara was going like, yeah, you know, I got to, I got to, I got to pull a handbrake on him because if I, if I, if I take the handbrake off, he could go buck wild. But he said, I, you know, I want to keep him under control, but I don't want him to lose that fire. And uh, I saw it. I saw it this summer, and I was surprised that I hadn't seen it. But it, you know, he's working in a different position. He's learning a lot of stuff, and I saw was it Hull that stepped over him at the at the game there? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I said he poked the tiger. Then I saw it started coming out, started coming out. Then that's what I saw all summer. This summer, he he was. Uh, I just looked at him. He's a little spark plug. He doesn't back down from anybody. But his mama didn't raise a fool. He handed he handed that man the ball and booked. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, his shot selection a, a little bit in question still at, at some points because uh, he sometimes may forget that he's not at Glens Falls anymore. But right. but he he's played great. And how do you get that out of a kid that you know maybe there's times you shouldn't be chucking a three up there with. 40 feet away from the basket. Well, you're talking to a big man here, so anytime I right. see somebody shoot a three-pointer, I'm like I'm like two feet away from the basket. I, I need to have the ball. But that's yeah. the nature of the beast. 
Yeah, and he's and he's and he's going to learn, and he's going to mature, and he's going to you know differentiate between you know high percentage shots and low percentage shots, and sometimes he's going to have to have a little heat check. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw him. You know, and I was at the game against Georgetown, and you can have kind of have that tendency to go mano y mano with the other player, yeah. and you know when they are a little bit more experienced than you, you know that could take you out of your game, and you see that happening on the professional level. You see that when Rest, every time Westbrook plays Damian Lillard, he tries to go mano y mano with him, and it doesn't turn out well because it kind of takes him out of his game and that's that that would be a good comparison that i make to sometimes what i saw when they when we played georgetown but he's gonna mature i like i said he won me over so i i think he's gonna just keep getting better and better he, he did a couple smart plays he, he grabbed an offensive rebound at the end of the game and ran it out he ran he had a fast break and pulled it out at the end of the game running clock so so yeah it, you can yeah. see the maturation as it goes along lazara sims will be calling in very shortly we'll talk to him next and uh 15 year nba and NBA champ David West will join us at 11.35. There's more Centers of Attention next on ESPN Radio Syracuse. This is Centers of Attention. Our number two of Centers of Attention is brought to you by Joe Bowers Farmer Insurance in North Syracuse. Uh, I am Paulie. we got a Ton Rosie here with us. And on the phone, former Syracuse point guard Lazarus Sims. Good day, Lazarus. How are you? Good morning, fellas. Hi. How you doing, Z? Hey, first of all, let me let me say congratulations. You know, as soon as you, I saw that you got the head coaching job, I text you, congratulations. I want you to have you on the show that day. And you was like, you know, hey, I, I'm kind of going on the, on the plane. I got to do a press call. I was like, okay, my bad, my bad. Let me slow down. But I wanted to say I was happy for you. Congratulations. How does it feel? I appreciate it. That's that Syracuse love. You know, that's what we do for each other. When we see somebody getting an accomplishment or doing something good, we reach out and, and we want to be a part of it and we show we show the ultimate love. And I appreciate you hitting me that day. I loved it. Now, I'm feeling great, man. My kids are waking up every day swimming in the pool and stuff and waking up one day is 65 degrees in the morning, 72 right now. Well, you're just going to make us all jealous, you know. <laughs> Good, you didn't have to throw that part in there. <laughs> but what, but what do you, what do you, how do you look forward to uh, being the head coach, and what type of system are you going to run? You know what I mean? What type of coach are you going to be? I want to know some coaching strategies and some coaching specifics. I try to get into them and, and, and really um, push them mentally. So I'm trying to teach, and also at the same level you are with your AAU program, it's not just about basketball. Even at this level, you're trying to teach these young men to challenge themselves mentally and be men. Basketball changes your life perspective, and I'm I'm going at it at that perspective with them. So I challenge them mentally. Like I run them early, and then we run over plays to see if they can mentally get it while they're tired. Because, you know, when you're struggling and when you're stressed, your mental has to stay the same, no matter what goes on, of course, and even in the course of life. So I'm, I'm, I'm pushing them that way, and then we go over plays while they're tired and see if they can grasp it and see if they can hold on to it. Because I, 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 my preach to them is, no matter how the physical part of the game ends, your mental cannot leave you. So when the other team is tired, you mentally are ready to take advantage of it. So we're pushing team we're running this is they have nba rules so there's no three seconds so we're really not into you know the syracuse zone which we <laughs> which we are syracuse guys but we're not doing any, any zone but no, we're, we're getting up and down hey Nazaris, the, uh, first of all i want to tell you um you uh you left i was i just met with a friend of mine her daughter she's got a daughter really tall i said i got the perfect person who i want uh, who i want to work with you 
Uh, that would be Lazar Sims. I get up next to look at the paper. I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> you, guys. you know, you know, I got that call a few times in this last two weeks, Rosie. Yeah. Like, I was looking for you, and then I looked up, and you were gone. <laughs> but I also I also got to thank you because uh, I don't know if a lot of you know, um, Lazar started playing. Uh, he played for the Rochester Razor Sharks and won all kind of championships, and that's when they got me back into announcing. I was just running around the country fishing and acting like I lost my mind, and they asked me to come back and, uh, and, and announce his games, and I tell you what, he, Lazarus always made me scream and fall out my chair five or, eight, five or ten times. I remember once with your 21 assist game, and, uh, and they dropped four right under the basket, so I'm just like, hey, made me think I could play again. <laughs> I appreciate you. <laughs> I appreciate you. Yes, sir. Good time. Yeah, I really, I really respected the style of play. You know what I mean? I'll go back to your playing days and everything like that. And you were the pass first point guard, and you really mm-hmm. ran the team. A lot of times, right now, you know, point guards are more interested in scoring. You know, they're more interested. Like they might have the highest attempts on the team. You know, talk mm-hmm. about the, yes. the the value of how, because on my AU team, you know, my point guard, I, I tell them, I want you to run the team. I want you to be yeah. a pass first. point point guard and put everybody in their places and that was really yes. your your niche talk about the importance of that type of a point guard on the team it's very important that's where we are. I just spoke upon the high the IQ of the basketball and you're 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 teaching them right you're teaching them right um, because being running a team doesn't mean not look for yourself it means make the game easier for your teammates make the game where you got big men that can score around the basket but, but can't catch it out far, give them passes where they can catch and go up. They can catch and finish. Your, your shooters, you want to give them passes where they can catch and shoot, not catch and have to make a shot. So as a point guard, you have to be able to know every position on the floor and be able to get them in the right position for your teammates to be successful. And I think that's a lost art. Like you said, a lot of guards think they got to score and, and shoot in volume. And I think, you know, we're losing that discipline of the old school basketball, which is everybody gets involved. I, I, I got to the Final Four, and dudes were saying, you know, you used to score in high school. You you almost have a triple-double through our high school. Then why are you not shooting like you did? Because I have scores around me. I have players around me, and I want to get my – I felt the joy of get, watching John get dunks, Ty get easy layups, Jason Sapola getting shots. I felt joy of that because I knew at the end of the day when I need it, I can get my shot off too. You know, the, 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 beauty, the beauty of everything that with the Razor Sharks that I saw and it, it gave me hope back in the game of basketball again is Lazarus would, I don't know if you, I know you, you had, you'd fill a stat sheet up, you know, you look at some games, he's got nine points, he's got six rebounds, he's got eight assists, and then... In every big game that they played, if you looked at your stat line, it was 26, 15, 4, or 26, 12. I mean, it, the, the, when it was time, I always knew when the big game came up, when it was time to produce, uh, you did it. And I, it, what always amazed me is you're always playing against uh, point guards that were small and really fast, and they mm-hmm. never, ever took advantage of you. How do you do it? It's the mindset, and that's another game. Like I said, I'm teaching these kids IQ basketball. You can never get mentally sped up. No matter how fast your body goes, your mind has to slow down. You have to see it in advance. You have to already see it. I make this move, this is going to happen. Two options are going to happen. You can't always – basketball is a reactive sport, but you can't always react. You react to what you create. So if you mentally slow it down and see it in advance in your head, when that, react, when that play happens, you already have your, your reaction points. 
and you can key off him all the time. Defense is going to give you something no matter if it's how pesky the little guard is or the big guard is or the strong guard is. He's going to give you an out. And at that point, you got to mentally be ready to capitalize. Well, listen, we're really happy for you. New head coach of Tampa Bay, um, you know, former Syracuse elite, you know, McDonald's All-American, you know, everything like that. And the fact that you was able to, to take – so good. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying, you know, you got, you got stats. You know what I mean? You got history. And, you yes, know, sir. it's a lot of respect, and it's nothing but respect. So I'm going to be cheering yeah. you on. We definitely support you. And we're proud of you mm-hmm. here, Syracuse Brotherhood. So much I respect to you, you and good luck with everything. Thanks, Jim. Let me say this last part. With you guys and what you guys are doing is tremendous. And I want these young gentlemen and these people that are watching the game to understand. And and that's how I grew up and I believe basketball is played from the inside out. You need big men. Big men need to touch the ball. Big men need to be involved in the game. We're watching a lot of basketball, even in Syracuse, which I love now we watch. These gentlemen are working hard for us on defense and and even on offense setting screens, and they're not getting the opportunity to at least touch the ball. I think there's a lost art and, a, and, and it's a disservice for all big men. The game changed, but it hasn't changed. Big, big men are needed. Definitely. Yeah, you, you, you know that we agree with you on this show. So we fight poorly <laughs> on it sometimes, but you know we agree with you. So th- thanks for saying that. We, as big men, we appreciate you. He's speaking the truth. He's speaking the truth. Thanks for calling in, Z. All right, fellas. Man, he was getting brownie points on the way out the door there for you know, guys. That was great, though. Let me tell you, <laughs> that was great. That's that's a point guard. That's that's the point guard that you want. That's the so 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 you have a point guard with that kind of mentality and the big man. I'm telling you, I promise you, all the screens will get better, all the rebounding will get better, your protection will get better. That that's that's how it works. Yep. Big show still coming up. We got David West coming up. We've got our uh, Dunkin' Donuts party. We'll register people for. And uh, if you listen to Brent Axe all week, you can win tickets to Steely Dan at the St. Joseph's Amphitheater. He will be performing there July third. Coming up, David West on uh, Centers of Attention. That's the name of the show on Q Sports <laughs> Talk on Twitch and ESPN Syracuse. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk, and on the radio, ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. This is Centers of Attention. It is Centers of Attention. I am Pauly, along with Atan and Roosevelt Bowie. This hour of Centers of Attention brought to you by Fusillo Automotive. We are now joined on the Burdick Toyota guest line by David West, NBA champ, had a 15-year career. Welcome in, David. Thank you for having me. Uh, what's going on, D. West? Hey, it's, it's always an honor to talk to you. You know, it's always mutual respect. Um, I want you to talk about the Professional Collegiate League um, and the, the name change. It was the Historic Basketball League. And just introduce everything to our audience about what you're doing because I'm excited about it. I've been excited about it since I first read about it. Um, it's an honor to be on the athletic board. But tell everybody all, all about it. Sure. Uh, again, uh, thank you guys for having me on. Um, the Professional Collegiate League is just what it is. Uh, we're formerly the HBL. Uh, we seek to become, um, you know, the first uh, pay-for-play uh, college uh, basketball league where we're going to compensate our athletes, uh, make the distinction between 
their academic uh, journey uh, and their sports journey. Uh, by separating the two uh, with our season, uh, we want to be able to focus on athletes as people uh, then ultimately help them and guide them toward their professional careers, um, be it uh, in basketball or uh, other areas. Part of what we want to do is make sure that we offer opportunities um, to young people that meet them where they are. Uh, a lot of, a lot of times right now, kids to make decisions um, about their backgrounds um, and make decisions about their futures without being uh, having access to the resources um, and access to the information um, early on and uh, in certain stages. And Eton can attest to this that. Guys who uh, typically come in the NBA, young guys, um, part of the uh, issue with your guys coming in and leaving and not being able to set themselves up and have careers a lot of times has very little to do with their talent and their on-the-floor ability. Uh, oftentimes it's uh, their ability to prepare, uh, their ability to listen and learn and sort of adjust and be able to take on uh, the roles uh, uh, that are required uh, to be successful at professional sports, um, walking around with a certain level of maturity and understanding uh, about what your day-to-day responsibilities are as a pro. These are the things that are overlooked, uh, in my opinion, in terms of how we approach um, you know, the collegiate age and, and college sports. Uh, so we want to, again, take out academic and uh, athletic uh, exploitation that goes on in the current game and offer young athletes between the ages of 18 and 23 uh, opportunities uh, to play and to go about their college, uh, their collegiate and professional careers in a different way. Really? What, what, uh, what type of salaries are you talking about? So this is Roseville Bowie. What, what kind of salaries are you? Are, the, are these kids going to be potentially making? Um, they'll be making uh, up to one hundred and fifty thousand uh, a season. Um, so our our top players will be earning that. Um, we believe that competition uh, at this stage of the game, particularly where the college uh, sports market is, uh, compensation is the first line in order of business. It's not you know the athletes being compensated and. Uh, being paid for their labor um, uh, is something that we feel uh, should be uh, first and foremost before we even get to name, image, and likeness, right? Uh, so at this stage, again, college is not where it was 20 years ago. It's a multi-billion dollar industry, and it seems that the opportunity, um, particularly um, you know, financial and economic opportunity, is starting to trickle to everyone but the athlete, uh, and, and we have something to say about that. I think a lot of times you'll see a lot of people have, um, you know, compa- com- comparisons to what LeVar Ball was doing with his league. Um, that's the mm-hmm. first question that I've always seen a lot of times on, on you know, the comment section. What, would, what are you doing different than LeVar's league and what sets, um, you know, you apart from what he did? You okay. know, he, did, he had some positive things. He had some things that he didn't do as well. Um, what is, what's going to be the difference in uh, the professional collegiate uh, league? Well, I think the first thing uh, is that we offer a five-year guaranteed scholarship, uh, an academic uh, scholarship, an opportunity. Um, uh, you know, we are going to utilize uh, all, basically the entire uh, um, platform um, for educational opportunities, meaning we're going to offer our guys vocational opportunities, trade opportunities, community college, local uh, technical college, 
four-year universities, if they uh, uh, choose uh, online curriculums, we're going to open the gamut of education for our guys um, and uh, make available to them um, you know, education that fits them. And we're not going to try to fit them into uh, you know, a pre uh Position right out of the gate. Um, so for us, it's most important uh, that we educate, um, that we prepare, um, and then the basketball obviously will come um, second. My question in this is the the guy yeah. sitting back and not being a, a former player or athlete. Where, where is the money coming from that you're going to be able to get these guys that kind of money to start? Right. Well, obviously we're uh, you know we're we're a private business, so we are raising capital. But the the current collegiate system, um, as it sits, is a multi-billion-dollar industry, and it's that way not simply because um, the the games are on college campuses or anything. Um, we <clears throat> we know that there uh, at this stage, you know, in the game, that you know people are paying and people are following these young athletes before they get to college. Um, they're generating uh, viewer uh, viewership and they're generating followings far before they get to these universities. What the universities then are able to do is reap the benefits of these kids coming in. So what we feel is these kids should be able to benefit from the name, image, and likeness, obviously, but also be compensated for the level uh, of basketball and viewership that they're able to draw. Uh, the current group um, that's going into, I guess, is graduating the, the 2020 class, they had upwards of, they had millions, these kids have generated millions and millions and millions of, 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 of hits via all of the social media channels, um, and people know who these kids are long before they get to the universities. Um, we've had kids now recently make decisions to go 7,500 miles away in some cases to go play because kids are looking for a different direction. Uh, and we know that they can generate and can create a market um, where in which they can be compensated. So right now, what we always say is that if it didn't matter, if the players didn't matter and it was just all about the universities, then the universities wouldn't have to recruit. They would simply be able to just grab students on campus, put them in jerseys, and people would fill arenas and fill stadiums to come see and play. We know that's not true. So we understand that the players have the uh, the power, particularly in this day and age. Um, people know who these guys are, and in a lot of cases now we're seeing examples where kids want to choose alternate alternative routes uh, and dis- uh, make different decisions about how they're going to ultimately uh, you know, take their future and what direction their future is going to go. And so we feel. Again, that we've, we create a league, um, obviously, where we're compensating players. We're working um, you know, to build our investor base. Uh, we're going to have a, uh, a licensing agreement between our players uh, and the league similar to the NBA. We are going to work with our guys uh, to market them and put them out in the market. They're going to be able to professionalize right away, come in, sign shoe deals. We think our sponsorship opportunities will be there. Uh, again, so we intend to become a professional league. I don't think people ask the question so much about where we're going to generate the income so much as where we it's on us to make sure that we create the league, um, we put players in position um, to participate in the profits that we know they can gen- that they can uh, generate. And then the last piece of that, 
would be obviously um, you know monetization of these players um, as active college participants. I always use a guy like an Aaron Kraft who had a, a great career at Ohio State, but Ohio State was the height of his basketball career, and he was he was he was at ne- never at a point in his basketball career now being that it was captain Ohio State was he able you know really to make and benefit from it other than um, you know getting a degree which he had to work for so that is not uh, equal trade off in my uh, in my opinion. Uh, David, I got a two-part question, um, mm-hmm. and I know this question will come up a lot from different people. Uh, where will the games be played, and where will they be able to be viewed? Right. So we're working right now uh, with a digital distribution uh, through dis- digital distribution channels. Um, we know that the world and young people, our demographic, view games um, in a different manner. They don't necessarily sit in front of a television. So our partner uh, uh, will be a digital uh, distribution partnership. So that's how the games will be viewed. Uh, we fully intend to start, you know, digitally and reaching young people exactly where they are, which is on their iPads or phones their laptops or computers, etc. Um, and then the games will be played. Uh, we're going to start, obviously, in local. We're going to look for local private facilities and local municipalities, which we've already identified uh, in our eight inaugural cities. Uh, and what, we, what we're not going to do is we're not going to look to fill, you know, 15,000, 20,000-seat arenas. We think that's unrealistic. We're going to look for, for small, what I call, rodeo facilities, four to 6,000-seat facilities um, uh, or smaller, where we can have a good environment, uh, uh, you know, and good basketball, and, and again, our games will be played in the summer. So we're going to have a different demographic. We're going to have a younger demographic. Um, if you if you know if you're familiar with minor league baseball, you know our idea is to have a similar environment where you can come, family environment, come watch. Uh, you know, two games for the price of one ticket, um, and uh, you know, a place where you know 13 to 17 year olds can get dropped off. Parents can feel safe. Uh, people be entertained. Obviously, we want to engage, um, you know, the local communities. But again, our facilities will be places uh, where we feel we can. We'd rather have a packed two thousand, three thousand uh, seat place than an empty, you know, fifteen thousand seat arena. Obviously, so I'm trying to. So the, these players, once they participate in in uh, in your league, then they are no longer eligible for the for the NCAA, correct? Right, you're making a, you're making a decision to professionalize. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for calling in, David. Uh, that was interesting stuff. I, I I wish you guys luck at this, and I hope I hope we can figure out a way to to make this work for for college kids to get some money, and hopefully this will work. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thanks, D. Thanks. West. Thanks. All right. We will. Uh, I, w- I want to get back to a ton on this when we come back. We'll talk more about this. We'll give away our Duncan party. We've got a long break here, so stick with us on Centers of Attention on Q Sports Talk on Twitch and ESPN Radio Syracuse. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk, and on the radio, ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. This is Centers of Attention. Welcome back to Centers of Attention, hour number two, and we are going to register someone right now for our day after the big game. Dunkin' Donuts party at your office, 315-437-7644. They will uh, hook you up with a bunch of donuts, bagels, coffee for your uh, recovery from the Super Bowl party you had the night before. You'll be registered, 315-437-7644. And once again, Rosie is on his phone calling in if you're 
watching on Twitch. <laughs> I'll get it sooner or later. Now we got. I'll let you guys hit one more thing on what David West just talked about with this this league. How how on earth does this work a ton going up against the NCAA? Do you think it's possible for this to work? I definitely think it's possible. I mean, as you see more and more guys taking different routes um, and not going to college, I mean, Darius Baisley, Ouch. you know, opted opted <laughs> to not even play at Syracuse and not even go overseas, not even play in the N- in the NBDL. He just worked out. You know what I mean? That's all he did was just work out, and then, you know, he went into the draft. So you see guys that want to do something different. So he's providing an actual need, you know, the, uh, to a market that wants it. You know, and I, I would I would venture to say that when I went to when I went to Italy, you know, guys were going over there. It was kind of scary. I was pretty much terrified when I went over there. But it was another option that that I looked at. Um, I didn't know anything about it. You know, they said to me, you know, "We're going to offer you the same money, but uh, play sixty games less a year." I went, "Ding!" Uh, my mother didn't raise a fool, and I'm a graduate of Syracuse University, so that started <laughs> making a whole lot of sense to me. So I listened a little bit longer. But but if you think about it now. He could, he could probably get the support of uh, the European leagues also because that's going to create a whole new pool of players when they finish when they finish playing. Definitely, you know. And the thing about it, they they, they you know, there's so much more that I wanted to ask him. You know, like I wanted to ask him the pushback that he got from the NCAA. You know, and which I'm sure there's going to be pushback because yeah. it, you know he's kind of infringing on their you know their area. But I, I think guys are going to be interested in, in the fact that they could all get agents, which it helps that in the NCAA you could do that too now. But the way that if, if this works, this will be an alternative because honestly, you know, college isn't for everybody. And, you know, everybody doesn't want to go to college. They don't want to pursue, you know, you know, the, the, the hurdles of the NCAA and the things of that nature. And, you know, it, it could be interesting. You know, so we'll see, we'll see how it works. All right. We, we got to wrap up and I would be interested to see how getting rid of the one and done rule will affect uh, this type of league too. They got to get rid of that though. They got to get rid of the one and done. All right. We will, uh, we'll be back on Monday. We'll recap the SU pit game and look forward to the SU Clemson game on centers of attention on Q sports talk on Twitch and ESPN radio Syracuse.